There we go. Three, two, one. Three, two, one it is. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for season six, episode five. Well, season six or seven, as again, uh, Connor reminded me. Uh, episode five. And as you might have heard today, we are joined by one of our co-commissioners. It is the great Matt Vaquito returned from his European adventures of, oh, what, a month or so ago? Um, it's been all over your and Matheny's Instagram, so it's been hard to miss. I, I hope it was a fun trip. Yeah, thanks for having me, DJ. And uh, thanks for calling me a co-commissioner, co even though I feel like I'm um, I'm not technically doing any commissioner duties anymore. Those have exclusively gone to Connor, but I'll keep the title kind of like the queen herself. So, yeah, I mean, perfect timing. You're getting us right into it, Matt. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, some bad timing last week where Queen Elizabeth uh, did pass away at the ripe old age of 96, causing a pause in our Premier League games last weekend. So, unfortunately, we don't have a matchup to talk about. And we'll start on that note, Matt, because last week Alec was on the pod and he said he was going to beat you. Uh, I think either overall in the season or in the matchup, uh, and it never happened. So oh, were we supposed to play each other? I am, you know, we can, we can go back and check. I know that I was supposed to play Holly. Uh, I cannot remember exactly. Let's see. Here we go. I was supposed to play IU winning song. Oh, that's Connor. Okay. Yeah. You guys were the hot, you guys were the marquee matchup of the week. Okay. That's right. So Alec was saying then that he thinks he will beat you overall this year in the standings. Uh, I'll, I'll just open it up to an immediate response to you. Uh, what position will you finish in and what position will Alec finish in? So, um, Alex teams, a Tony or I yeah. Tony, whatever. Don't really understand the joke that he's trying to make there, but, um, you know, I think that there are really two components to any team when it comes to, you know, a fantasy Premier League season. So I think the first thing is obviously, you know, the draft, right? Are you able to hit on your, you know, top three or four picks? Maybe you have a couple other good picks that end up being season-long guys for you. But really what it comes down to, in my mind, I think probably two-thirds of any team's um, value or end-of-season result is just in-season management. So I think Alec had a terrific draft, obviously. He um, he took uh, Howland. I don't know if there was much choice there or if it kind of was, you know, the most logical next choice after you chose De Bruyne. But um, he also, you know, has a few other players that have done quite well for him. Uh, obviously, Alexis McAllister, you know, um, Ivan Tony, um, Yori Tealmans is supposed to be, he's, he's been playing quite well and should continue to play quite well for Leicester throughout the rest of the season. And then probably his best pick, um, in my opinion is Alan St. Maximum. So he did a great job on his draft. I think that the problem with Alec has always been in-season management. Obviously he's living in Europe right now, which means he is, I think he's in Portugal. So that means he's six hours ahead of us or actually five hours ahead of us. If he's in Portugal um, and allows for him to sleep in and set his lineup um, every morning. So, you know, I think he'll continue to be a manager that can adjust and, you know, make sure that he has players that are playing. I'm actually looking at his his roster right now, and this week is a, a week of um, bye weeks for certain teams, uh, and he seemed to have done a good job or maybe just luckily kind of fell on his feet 
to a team that's mostly playing this week. Uh, I personally had to make uh, five or six changes to my team to make sure I could uh, have a decent lineup out there. But I think Alec will continue to do well until Christmas time. And I think Christmas time on, he's going to fall off the cliff. So, oh, okay. An ominous premonition after the midway point for Mr. Vaquito. A very detailed answer. So, I, I like you breaking it down. And speaking of a draft, you've had quite a good draft. You've had quite a good start to the season. You are tied with Alec at the top of the table at 5 0 1, just behind on the fantasy points for at the moment there, but still very high up there at 581. So how are you feeling about your team? I imagine fairly confident, particularly looking at some of your player averages. Do you have any current concerns uh, about the schedule, about the World Cup? Is there anything that can derail you? Well, I'll tell you, DJ, you know, while I sit in second place, I I don't necessarily look at my squad and think that I did a terrific job uh, in my draft. I think my first three picks were uh, pretty aggressive picks. I, I've always found that the strategy of high variability when it comes to drafting rather than picking the safe player tends to either tank your season or catapult you to the front. And let's be real, we're not trying to be middle of the table teams. <laughs> we're trying to either win or go home because you know the difference between second place, third place, I guess second place we get money, but yeah. Uh, third place and uh, 12th You know place. that from experience last season, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> I actually didn't realize that I had won money, but I, I did. Um, so I, I went high variability. I drafted, you know, Raheem Sterling, who has been good, but frankly, I don't think he's been playing all that well. And with the tumultuous situation that Chelsea has, I think there's a chance for there to be, you know, some rotation and he won't necessarily... Um, be a consistent player that can get you 15 to 20 points a week. My next two picks were uh, back-to-back United players, Cristiano Ronaldo and Christian Eriksen. I was kind of banking on a resurgence under new management. Obviously that's, that's kind of happened uh, as of the last kind of few weeks. Uh, however, it hasn't involved Cristiano Ronaldo and it remains to be seen whether he'll be a part of United's plans going forward. But it has included Christian Eriksen. Uh, and unfortunately for me, it's been in a more deep-lying role. I think he's probably been one of the better players that United have had in the games that I've watched in terms of his distri- his distribution and kind of creating things for United. But it doesn't necessarily uh, get reflected in his point total. So I would say my middle to back end of the draft was quite good. You know, obviously Jack Harrison – um, uh, James Madison and Pascal Gross and Leandro Trossard. But beyond that, I think that I have a lot of wood to chop and I need some luck to go my way for me to be a, a contender this year. All right. Well, we'll see if that's the case. Obviously, the second part of that strategy you talked about in maintaining good uh, kind of management is on the waiver wire. And now that sort of the big period of the waiver wire has has shut, I want to talk briefly and get your thoughts on kind of the last big transfers we saw come in. Anthony uh, did go predictably in that 80 to hundred range. He did go for a full hundred to Andrew's squad. We also had Rogov claiming Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang at 81. Uh, do you think either of these players will be, I wouldn't want to necessarily say team changing, right? It's hard for the, like, you know, to really have that one player be team changing, but do you think they can help them kind of catapult themselves up from the bottom of the standings? 
And do you think there were any sneaky transactions on that final day? I'm looking at, we've got Livin Kurzawa, Carlos Vinicius, Willian coming in that might actually make a difference. Yeah, sure. So I think that, um, let me just pull up some of the transactions so I can see um, the deals that have gone through. So first of all, I think that both uh, Ragov and Andrew overpaid, I think, um, a hundred for, um, a player that I kind of see as being a squad rotation ish type player for United. Maybe he'll get two thirds of the games. He's not going to be someone that I see starting every single week. And also I don't necessarily see him as someone that's putting a goal in every week. Uh, I mean, his first game, he scored 14.5 points, uh, but that also included a goal. So um, I think that ghost points go a lot longer way, especially with players that are, you know, two thirds of the season starters. And I don't think he has that. Um, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, that might've been a little bit of, um, you know, hometown bias from Ragov. Obviously he was quite good for Arsenal for several years. He kind of fell off the cliff the last couple of years. Uh, and now is playing for a Chelsea team that I previously stated is in a bit of a transitionary period. Obviously, they don't have a lot going on up top in terms of a true outright number nine. So maybe he kind of plays a role similar to Cavani did for United uh, a couple years ago. Uh, but I don't necessarily see him being, you know, a Bruno Fernandez who comes in and, you know, sets the league on fire. And then yeah. in terms of kind of sneaky transactions that I actually like quite a bit, um, I did notice that prior to the um, the transfer pause that we put on hold, um, uh, Connor picked up the uh, West Ham midfielder. Yes. And I think of all the transfers – into the Premier League in the last kind of week or so. I think, you know, he's probably the most set up for consistent playing time and a position to kind of be a difference maker for a fantasy Premier League team. So, yeah, I'm kind of hoping so. I actually really have watched a few of Paquetta's games and I like his play style. I just am always nervous about David Moyes and creative players. Uh, we saw something similar kind of happen with, um, shoot, why am I blanking on his name? The left winger who came from Brentford. Um, God, help me out here. Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on him so much. Always likes to cut in. Really, really creative player. West Ham, left wingers. That oh plays God. for West Ham? Yeah, he doesn't play that often right now. He 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 starts sometimes, and then he usually gets subbed ben off. Rama? By... Yes, thank you. Side Ben Rama. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always worried about that because I feel like uh, Moyes just doesn't gel. He likes to play players uh, like Fornals ahead of players like that. But I am hopeful that we see some good stuff out of Paqueta because I think he can really be exciting. It, it will be really fun. Let me uh, ask you, what did, did you bid on either uh, Anthony or uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang? Uh, I did not. Uh, I knew I wouldn't be able to afford them either way for what they were going. Um, I think had I had money, I would have bid for Anthony because um, I think he is going to be as you mentioned, at the very least, like a kind of two-thirds player. I think it's hard for United to pay that much money for him and then not play him, particularly when Ten Hogs has such a good relationship with him already. 
Um, I would not have bid on Aubameyang considering the hectic nature at Chelsea. And um, now it's even worse because I think beforehand, right, Tuchel was there and Tuchel literally, you know, made this happen on deadline day. And now Tuchel is not there. And I don't know about your opinion. I don't even know if he starts uh, for yeah. Potter. Yeah. Well, yeah, I always find it interesting when there's managers who are managers at the deadline day and then, you know, days after deadline day they go. And it's like you as a player, specifically a guy like Aubameyang, who did he ever play for Tuchel at Dortmund? At Dortmund, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that relationship and that rapport and, you know, you think that's kind of the you know, the impetus behind the transfer and then you show up and the guy's not there. <laughs> you really are like, what, what am I going to do here? So, yeah, I mean, I don't think Raghav could have predicted that. I don't know if anyone could have predicted that he gets sacked that quickly. I actually, I, I did not expect it coming and I was quite surprised when I woke up to that notification, but you know, maybe a new coach, you know, maybe Potter decides to play with a more traditional number nine and, Obama Yang is kind of the beneficiary of that. I don't know who started today uh, in the Champions League, but um, that might be a good. Uh, he he's still injured from that jaw break uh, when his uh, house was okay. broken into, so he couldn't play today. Uh, I think it'll be another week or so before he's available for selection, probably. Uh, nice. Oh, it looks like he started. Did he really? Yep. Actually. Yeah, wow. he subbed out in sixty-six minute. Okay, I did not see that. Well, then he's helping now. There you go. And Sterling and scored score another goal, so uh, <laughs> send your transfer offers over there. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Sterling, I mean, for, for what it's worth, in all of the helter-skelter at Chelsea, um, Sterling has kind of been the one player, I think, to hang your hat on on that squad. So I, I think at least you could you could breathe easy with that one. He's the only one that seems to be playing well and scoring goals. Yep, that's true. All right, speaking of Chelsea in the Premier League, let's look ahead here. Chelsea, of course, not going to play this weekend in the Premier League. Their game is postponed against Liverpool, as is Man United against Leeds, as is Brighton against Crystal Palace. So as you heard Matt maybe mention, I might want to maybe check your lineups out there for all all you people in fantasy land. Make sure your players are actually playing this weekend. But of the games that are remaining, Matt, are there any that you are looking forward to or interested in from a fantasy perspective to maybe, I don't know, answer some questions about some fantasy players, see if there's some big point totals, anything catching your eye for this upcoming weekend? Yeah, sure. I think what I'm more interested in is manager Premier, fantasy Premier League manager management than I truly am in the fixtures this weekend. I think that mm. what kind of separates you know, good manager from a shitty manager is kind of how they handle weeks like this. Um, A lot of managers will just kind of have anxiety about dropping players um, and won't field a full roster and end up, you know, sacrificing a game for kind of the long run. But when it comes down to it, you know, three points is three points. So kind of looking at this week's fixtures, um, you know, you're pretty, you're, it's pretty easy to kind of see who's made those changes and who hasn't. Obviously, you know, T, he's going to start five players. Um, Condi, experienced manager, you know, has a championship or a few championships. He's playing 11. Um, Jake, who's our most recent non-champion uh, champion that wasn't Condi, 
playing with 11 and then you look down the rest of the, the matches and you get a lot of sevens or eights or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, this is, and I, I don't know, DJ, which team is yours? So I don't I have know. eight right now. I've got a couple on my bench that are ready to come in, but, uh, I haven't done go. it quite yet. Still a so, couple days left, everybody. So uh, take take Matt's advice right now. <laughs> except for T. Please don't change your lineup. <laughs> uh, albeit, I wouldn't be surprised if he still still beats me because I'm I'm putting together a ragtag team of waiver wire pickups. So um, hopefully, some of them can score some points for me. So DJ, what what fixtures are you looking forward to this weekend? Hmm. So for me, the one that's going to be interesting, uh, I, I always like to kind of look at, well, number one, I, I just want to watch Man City play and see how they play against Wolves. Wolves don't score many goals, but they are usually pretty good defensively, although moving to the four has kind of made them a little weird this uh, this year. But uh, the games I'm looking forward to or, or trying to watch are, are West Ham games right now, because I am interested to see how Paquetta slots in. Um, again, it's been a concern of mine in the past with Moyes and West Ham did really, really well last season. They've not been doing very well this season, um, which is something I kind of expected given the way that they play. I it's I feel like it's hard to replicate success. So mm-hmm. I'm actually interested to see if Moyes will adapt his style a little bit and allow a, a little more attacking freedom or if it's it's same old Moisey and uh, Paquetta kind of gets shoehorned into a role that maybe doesn't quite fit him. Yeah. I think a couple other interesting matchups this week. I think Forrest Fulham's going to be a uh, explosion of goals and a lack of much defense there. And I think that I'm really excited to see how Brentford plays against Arsenal after, you know, a pretty impressive showing the last weekend that they played. So those are the two games I'm, I'm most excited about. I think that makes sense. Uh, the Brentford game should be fun. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how Arsenal responds to their first loss as well. I was, uh, I was actually at the pub with Ragov when that one was happening. So it was it was a it was a nice little flash in the pan for United right before they you know lost their next Europa League game to Real Sociedad, uh, Sociedad's first victory against an English team ever in the Europa League, if I'm not mistaken. So you know wow. that's always always a always a big bonus for us Man United fans over here. You know you, you get the the roller coaster ride is still very exciting for us. All right, back to the fantasy manager aspect. You were looking at the uh, numbers there for all the players. Assuming everyone kind of gets their lineup set, are there any matchups that you are looking forward to this weekend or you think will be very important to the league? Obviously, last week we missed the first crappy co of the season. Uh, you know, me and Holly and, and all the fans very disappointed about that one, but let's have to wait till later in the season. We had to refund so many tickets, Matt. I, you would not believe. Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to go through these and make sure I know who everyone is. So False 11, which I think is my favorite name. I've ever seen that's <laughs> that's that's uh, Holly, right? That is Holly, yeah. And then Saw Dude is uh, that's me, that's you, okay. And then um, Lamros is obviously Lamros, and then Ragov is the uh, Abba song, and then not at the table, Carlos is I'm guessing Ian, that is Ian, yeah, okay. And then Trente is Jake, and then San is Condi, and then burning down the house is Audie. Yes. Okay. Got it. So looking at these, um, I think that I'm most excited about this, not at the table, Carlos and FC, FC Trente 
uh, matchup. Obviously, Ian went from being top of the table to not being top of the table. Um, it looks like uh, Jake is fielding a full squad in this matchup, and it should be a pretty exciting, exciting matchup. So players to watch on on Jake's team. I think that, um, you know, the starting lineup for City is going to be incredibly important. You know, whether Mares and uh, Stones play will be pivotal towards, you know, Jake being able to field a full roster. Um, I believe they play on Saturday, so that'll be a, allow for him to kind of pivot if he needs to last second there. And then um, on uh, on uh, Ian's side, I think what I'm most excited about seeing is the Fulham game. So he's got, you know, Kurzawa, who came from PSG to lowly Fulham, uh, which is pretty exciting for that club. And then Mitrovic, and then obviously – if uh, Carlos Vinicius plays, that would be a good benefit to his squad as well. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup. And likewise, that that uh, that Forest Fulham game is going to be pivotal for this matchup as well. Yeah, really, it's pivotal for the. T- I actually like that game a lot. Like you said, I think it's going to be a lot of goals. It should be pretty pivotal. I mean, Forest just came off of a absolutely devastating defeat to the, the team at the bottom of the table with them in Bournemouth as well. I don't know if you saw the highlights of that game, but every Bournemouth goal in that game, except for the first two were just absolute stunners, just unbelievable goals. Yeah. It was such a brutal way for Forrest to live. Their last goal they gave up was a bad back pass to the goalkeeper. What a terrible way to lose a game. <laughs> yeah. Does it remind you of uh, Emery at all? That kind of, that kind of defeat? I like to put those memories in the back of my brain <laughs> and never access them. So, but it's been, I think it's probably, this is, you know, it might be the 10 year anniversary of that Emory match. Um, I'm going to take a look at that. Maybe we can celebrate that. Um, that would be- it was 2012. Um, was it actually? But anyways, I'll pull that up while we continue. Oh boy. But yeah, that, that should be a fun. I do expect a lot of goals. Uh, actually kind of interesting that Kurzawa does come in if he does start, cause that would be two outside backs on both teams that are like randomly like dropping to a really low team. Like Ren and Lodi is the other one. He went from Atletico to Nottingham forest. And like, I just so weird. It just doesn't make any sense. Like how they ended up there. <laughs> well, yeah. You can also say the same thing about Trippier, you know, it depends if you consider Newcastle a big club or not. I I sort of do. I, I the, the trippier one makes more sense to me because they have money and a vision. I don't know what Nottingham Forest and Fulham really have to sell uh, Red and Lodi and, and uh, Live and Kurzawa, except for maybe just an opportunity. At, you know, that's I'm sure that's how it happened, but it's just so weird how it happened. So uh, just for context, um, September 29th, 2012 is the fateful game. So. I guess uh, two weeks from tomorrow, we can celebrate uh, our 4-3 defeat in OT <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia, when we were 20 years old. So, Damn. Okay. Maybe we'll have, let's see, that's a Thursday. Well, maybe the next day we'll have a big, we'll have a big uh, comeback loss for one of the teams in the Premier League too. And we can, we can uh, commiserate with it at the same time. Oh boy. Well, okay. Uh, have you watched any Champions League at all in the last couple of weeks? I have not but I am okay. happy to bullshit my way through it. 
I was just wondering if any of the games had colored your opinion. Uh, obviously, we talked a little bit about Chelsea, uh, talked a little about Man U uh, in the Europa League. You know, have uh, have any of those games or any of those highlights, you know, for Man City or anything kind of changed your mind or solidified your opinions about players, you know, like Erling Holland or anyone uh, at those clubs? Obviously, Liverpool kind of having a rough go of it uh, against Napoli, kind of having a rough go of it to start the season. Is that something you expect to be turned around? Do you think they did enough? at the end of the transfer window to help with that lack of bodies? Yeah, sure. So uh, I think you you mentioned a name, uh, Erling Haaland, who had a magnificent goal today. I don't know if you saw the highlight. I on did, the, yeah. I saw that on Twitter, but it was absolutely dazzling. And the pass doesn't get enough credit for being, you know, an incredibly placed ball. But, you know, he continues to prove that he's not just – in the right place at the right time every single time he scores he scores these acrobatic goals and he's able to kind of create things out of nothing which is really quite astounding and unfortunate that Alec actually has the benefit of having him on his team um I I think that Tottenham is a team that you know based off the results in Champions League and kind of recent form in the Premier League I wouldn't be surprised if they start kind of slipping a little bit in the table um, you know, Son hasn't been the the son of old, uh, the son that I've had in many teams in the past. So I don't know who owns him, but if they're looking to unload, I'd be happy to make a transaction for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of my quick thoughts. That is an interesting one with, with Tottenham. Yeah, they they did struggle in their last Champions League game, even their first Champions League game, the one they won, they they kind of struggled. So we'll we'll see if they can keep it up in the league. And Conte is a weird one in that he's usually extremely successful in league competitions, but he actually has a very spotty history of getting out of groups uh, and knockout stages in the Champions League. So maybe just history repeating itself, but could be the beginning of a slide. Speaking of a potential slide, I want to hear your thoughts on our current fourth place team in the league. They're not in the Champions League, but um, Brighton, uh, how far do you think they slide after the departure of Grand Potter? Or do you think it doesn't matter? Frankly, I don't think it really matters. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe it does. I mean, I, I just honestly don't think that, I mean, like goalies, I, I don't, I was going to say, like, do, do keepers <laughs> matter more than managers I mean, I think or managers, the other way around? I think managers matter, but in the end of the day, it's the players. Um, so I don't, I mean, obviously they're in, fourth place right now I think they're a middle of the table team um and I think they'll be competitive in most matches and they'll win the games they need to but they're they're not going to challenge for Champions League spots Mm -hmm. I think that's a reason a reason so you think like kind of ninth tenth where they end up don't think they can maybe pick around that that range eighth through 16 okay Eighth, eighth, whoa, 16. Wow, that would be quite a slide. Okay, I hope it's not that bad for poor Brighton. <laughs> that, that would be dark, but I, I see where you're coming from with, with that uh, with that uh, opinion for sure. I see we might have a timer above us in the corner, so I'm going to get to the league-provided questions here. So again, these have been submitted by our compatriots in the league. Uh, we have one anonymous response and one from Mr. Holly. So we'll, we'll start uh, with one of Mr. Holly's questions. Um or sorry, actually, we'll start with, uh, well, Holly's question is more fun. We'll start with a, a soccer-related question, then even the fun ones. We'll start with the anonymous caller here. Uh, if Todd, or which Premier League attacking player, well, actually, I, I didn't even look at these. They're all, I thought this was a serious question. Okay, we'll just start with whatever question. 
if Todd Bowley gets his way and we have a Premier League All-Star weekend and the two-mile is an event, who in the league wins? Uh, as in our our league or like the Premier League league? We could, let's do both. Who in the Premier League wins and who in our league wins? So looking at our league, um, Alec doesn't stand a chance. He is training Neither for a does. marathon right now. Yeah, but running 26 miles is not running two miles. This is true. Uh, Ian, sorry, you don't either. Condi, sorry, not you either. Holly, you might come in last place. <laughs> Jake, I think, is one of the favorites, in my opinion. He seems to run a lot. Um, Saw Dude, is that Audie? Uh, that's me. Oh, that's you. I keep on getting you and Audie mixed. Um, you, I don't think you stand a chance. Maybe if it was a squatting competition or a deadlift competition, you would be a favorite, but not in the two mile. Audi, you know, I think if it was a home decoration, um, competition, he would be a favorite, but it's not. So sorry, Ragov, 0% chance. Uh, George, no chance. Ragov does play a lot of squash. Well, squash is. This isn't a squash competition. <laughs> and then finally, um, uh, Andrew, negative percent chance. And then T, T was never good at the two miles, so I'm just throwing him out. So I'd put it between me and Jake to win. All right, you and Jake. Okay, any Premier League, quick Premier League shouts here? Any, um, you would say like I, one to three players you think would, would compete for it. You know, I think it's probably an outside back or a winger. Um, I think... You know, a Trippier or... Robbo? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, an Anthony Robinson. Um, maybe a Raheem Sterling. Maybe a Salah, a Mo Salah. I think he could... He seems like he's got, like, a good body type for, for running. It's going to be one of those small, you know, kind of thin, fast winger outside backs that would win. What about you? Who do you think? Hmm. Who's really fit? Tottenham have had their asses kicked fitness wise by Conte. I feel like it might be one of them. Um, who runs the most on that team? Son's more of a sprinter than anything else. I could honestly see it being, um, kind of one of their one of the bustling. It's probably. I mean, if he's healthy, it's probably Conte. Honestly, um, yeah. true. Go look, Conte's yeah. probably in there. Uh, some I other think outs- James Milner would just gut it out. I think could. I, I just it. don't know if athletically he could compete, man. <laughs> I think he'd tuck in his shirt and he'd just suck it up and he would throw up after the first two laps and he would just run through his his pain yeah. and misery and he would just battle his way to the front. That'd be or maybe like a no, he wouldn't be good. Yeah, I, I'd be thinking Conte or like Robo probably would be like a couple of people that come to mind really early. Teams that have to run a lot and do pressing high up the field would be my two favorites. All right. Speaking of outside backs, which Premier League attacking player would Madero, this being Mike Madero, uh, the old Chicago assistant coach, for those who don't know, think he could turn into a great right back? So, you know, Coach Madero and I have a checkered past. Um, In our inaugural or second year, I tied him in total points, but beat him in points four. And he claimed a split championship which is clearly not the case (laughs) so i don't think he could turn any attacking player into a defender but if i had to pick someone um 
Ooh, I think I would go with um, um I, I think it's gotta be, you know, Raheem Sterling. Okay. I think I think he would see the uh it, it's kind of the same mold of player that would be good at the two mile that I think he could see himself moving to a wing back system and being uh, a good good wing back for a team. So not a bad shout. Definitely has the skill to do it for sure. Would probably be a really good crosser. He he can swing in a, a nice little throw think? as well. Uh, I'm just going to go off the cuff here. Very random. I bet he would look at Ruben Loftus cheek and be like, wow, that guy can run. That guy's big outside back. We're in. I don't think, I don't think Madero is the kind of coach that looks for, uh, thinking back on what he would tell me my freshman year. I don't know if he's the kind of, uh, coach who's looking for a swashbuckling right back. So I think he'd look at the size of Loftus cheek, the skill on the ball and be like, that's the kind of guy I want a right back. That's the one. Yeah. I think that's a good shout. All right. Last fun question here. Uh, and here we go. If you could only, if you, Matt Vecchio, could only pick one place to be from, would it be Bermuda, Wisconsin, or Miami? And this is submitted by Holly. So um, I, I'd go with Wisconsin. That's where I grew up. That's where I kind of identify, you know, my uh, background as and kind of, my personality and values as um, it's where all my favorite sports teams are from, obviously other than Wimbledon. Um, Miami is home to me right now. And I see it being my home for the foreseeable future, but I would never say that I am from Miami. Um, and then Bermuda, Bermuda was a, a funny bit that we did that coach coach Dubs had us do where he basically tried to create the most exotic starting lineup um <laughs> and had us you know say where we were quote unquote from like alexi on being from paris france albeit i don't even know if he had ever been to paris france <laughs> i think he was just french and could speak french so yeah we we did have quite the uh the wild light up, a couple of wild lineups that that my first year and second year where it's like we have sawyer from fairbanks he from wisconsin dave's from vermont like who Who's even from Vermont? Like, is anyone actually from Vermont? You know, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I think we probably had one of the most diverse uh, rosters in terms of states um, in probably the entire country. Certainly the UAA. Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. All right, just in case this timer at the top of the screen here is accurate, Matt, we got a minute 20 left. So I'm going to open the floor to you. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to say to the league, any individuals, anything you want? You got a full minute here. Uh, give your spiel. Um, nothing really comes off the top of my head. Excited to be back for uh, another season and uh, glad that you, DJ, have been taking this podcast and uh, pushing it into the next level. And maybe next summer we can look into doing some sort of destination draft like we did I think it's four or five years ago at this point. So yep. that would be a lot yep. of fun. Getting there. 
All right. Well, if that is all, that has been episode five of the Madero Special Podcast. Once again, remember, games do restart on Friday. Please check your lineup carefully, unless you are one Terrell, so that Mr. Matt here can get another victory, move himself to 6-0-1, and see if he can stop the oppressive reign of the uh, now very bold and potentially arrogant Alec Magdaleno at the top of the table. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time when Raghav Rao joins us on Monday. Until then, be safe, be kind and enjoy life. Bye. Ciao, grazie.